Welcome to a new episode of my Dear Kitchen in Helsinki podcast. My guest today is Amanda Heinal from Slow Food Helsinki, the Helsinki local chapter of Slow Food International. Amanda and I talked about the slow food movement in general and the aims and activities of the local Helsinki chapter. We also talked about problems related to the food system in Finland and what we can do to tackle these issues. You can find more information about Slow Food Helsinki on www.slowfoodhelsinki.org, where you can also find out how you can be a member. We hope you enjoy our discussion, and we hope to hear your thoughts on the social media platforms about Amanda's question in the end. As always, special thanks to my dear friend Ufuk Ejeman for the sound editing. So, hello, Amanda, and thanks for uh, doing this interview. I have been planning to invite Slow Food Helsinki for a, for a while now to the podcast. Um, so I'm happy that we are finally doing, doing this. And by the way, we are doing the interview on 17th of August, and today is the first anniversary of the podcast. So, oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so to... Um, how I want to talk about uh, slow food today in this interview is just introduce slow food movements at first and then go deep into uh, slow food Helsinki. And then if we have time, uh, maybe delve deeper into the movement itself. But before we do this, can you introduce yourself a little, your professional educational background and your role in slow food Helsinki? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity for this interview. It's always really interesting to talk to other people who share common interests. So um, so my background is that I'm from Australia uh, and I've been in Finland for uh, just over 10 years now. I have a Finnish husband, so that's the reason I ended up here, like many people. Uh, and uh, I work at the moment at the United Nations So I have a role uh, at the, it's called UNU Wider. So we're part of the United Nations University system. Okay. And uh, our institute uh, does research into development economics. Um, so a lot of the issues we cover include uh, poverty issues, gender inequality, um, uh, income in- inequalities in different countries. And our target area is actually the global south. So we don't actually do anything on uh, in Finland as such, no research, but we have Finnish researchers And we get a lot of support from the Finnish state. So that's the reason why we're located in Helsinki. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my role, I've been there for quite a number of years. And But I actually work in the administration. So I'm in the management team. And my role um, is connected to my previous roles in the sort of international management and NGO. So I've had a long career in sort of this NGO management area. And, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's my background. I Actually, I don't work with... Uh, food issues so slow food happens to be my hobby okay and I now um have been involved with slow food Helsinki for maybe about five years uh, mainly as a volunteer at the beginning like very very loosely connected and then for the last uh, three years I've been in the board so we have a small uh, board mm. and I've been a chairperson for the last two years okay so that's my my role yeah Um, so let's introduce slow food movement to our listeners. Uh, what's it about? What it aims for? What is its, its uh, like its short history? Maybe if you can. Mm, so. Sure. 
Yeah, so Slow Food is a is a, is a global movement. So it's uh, it's been around for just over thirty years. It just had actually we just had the thirtieth year anniversary uh, just two years ago. So it was formerly uh, an uh, organization in, uh, founded in uh, nineteen eighty nine in Italy. So it's a a movement that was uh, started as a protest, actually. So there was uh, McDonald's were planning to set up in at the bottom of the Spanish steps in Rome. And the Italians were not particularly happy. So there are many uh, activists who, who made a protest. Mm-hmm. And this protest movement became actually an organisation, uh, slowly sort of, you know, gathered steam and became more global. And I think it's in very many countries now. I think there's, uh, there's almost all countries have some type of chapter or, or organisation. Some are very loosely organised. Uh, in Finland, it's quite small, I would say, and fairly, fairly recent. Mm-hmm. In Helsinki, uh, it's uh, it formed about ten years ago, just over ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's a rather in in terms of the movements, uh, the global food movement is quite quite a new organisation. Mm-hmm. But the global the the sort of global side, so just maybe to say uh, sort of about the principles. Uh, so the the reason it's 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 sort of formed was to to try to transform how we're looking at food. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, there's three sort of interconnected principles that all the slow food uh, organisations try to, to work around. Uh, and it's uh, good, clean and fair food. Mm-hmm. So these are the really key themes of organisations. So good meaning um, healthy foods, good quality foods, um, clean is uh, for the environment, on the environmental side that it's... Uh, it's uh, produced in a sustainable way mm-hmm. and fair is uh, fair prices and that's for the consumer but also for for the producers having uh, good working conditions and the prices for for producers so mm-hmm. I think these are the these are the three main themes and how they play out across the world is actually very different so mm-hmm. I think uh, that it's one of the it's one of the strengths and maybe one of the weaknesses of the organization that's uh, that the, the the themes are quite big, are very broad, and you can do many things with those themes. So I think um, uh, that's uh, so. All the branches are actually fairly independent and uh, run their own activities. And of course, we are supported by the international office, which is located in Bra in Italy. But we operate fairly independently, actually, in Finland. So that's uh, it's quite interesting organization. That uh, we can we can um, have our own goals and activities. And we don't actually report very uh, closely. Like we, of course, we can let let them know what we're doing, and we try to, of course, use those things and everything we do. But mm. there is no sort of uh, top down approach. So it's very mm. grassroots in that way in Finland. Okay. Um, so is it is it like that for all chapters? Like they're all independent or? Well, I, th- I think that there's there are some countries, for example, USA and Germany. Some of the bigger countries would have a very uh, maybe a stronger national structure, so so that they they have a sort of national themes um, which they work on, and then the local organizations, you know, uh, maybe have to uh, follow a certain sort of program. Um, but in Finland, we don't actually have a national organization, so there's no there's no uh, sort of uh, Finnish goals as such. Yeah. So we have uh, several local local chapters, um, and Helsinki is, is one of them. And then there's maybe uh, four or five other ones. So so in um, Torku is one of them. Uvascular is another one. Uh, there's one in Lapland. Yeah. 
Mm. And then one actually one of the biggest ones is, and the oldest one is called uh, Slow Food Rasmuland, which is in the western part of Uzima. So yeah. it's, uh, to this uh, Tamisari uh, area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is so they're they're, they're actually the fir- the the largest one still, I think. Mm. Mm. So as Flow Food Helsinki, you have some <clears throat> activities, some events. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So what 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 are your aims as the Slow Food Helsinki chapter, and what are some of your activities um, and events? Now, of course, I know that because of COVID situation, it's not easy to make activities for a while now. Mm, that's true. Um, but it, it, you can also give some examples from pre-COVID times and um, maybe some of your future ideas and so on. Yeah, so actually we have a very broad range of activities and we try to try to, to meet different types of uh, goals and uh, objectives. So one, I would say, a fairly big part is on the sort of education or, or awareness raising, you could say. So, uh, so this is on a global but also local sense, so raising awareness of, of global uh, food issues, so on global uh, food security mm-hmm. and the, these, uh, you know, the threats to the global food system. So we, we do a little bit on that side. But we also try to raise awareness of uh, the food systems in Finland um, Because I would say Slow Food Helsinki has a very strong international um, membership. Mm. So we do most of our activities in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and for the last fully English. Uh, that your website is English fully. That's something that uh, I was really positively surprised as a person struggling with Finnish. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, so many of our members are actually from uh, international backgrounds, just like myself. Uh, actually, in the board, we have only one uh, a fin- Finnish speaker even, uh, and she's actually originally a Swedish speaker. So um, so our, our, our board is very international and uh, and our activities uh, are all, all, all in English. There haven't, it hasn't always been that case. There has been uh, activities in Finnish before, but uh, I think we, we took a focus which was uh, the international side um, because of the global sort of emphasis that, uh, that Slow Food has. But also that we saw that uh, there's sort of international group of uh, of people living in Finland are actually quite marginalized in many ways. So I think we wanted to try to address that. Um, so I think that that's a lot of activities were trying to get um, uh, to raise awareness of, of the food systems in Finland uh, and also try to even look at some sort of integration issues so that that um, international people could feel actually get to know Finland better and get to know Finns and get to know Finnish way of life and cultures cultural issues so that there is a more more awareness raising on both sides so we do projects um, so actually some of the projects we do um, they're very popular at the moment is that we do with the wild foods workshops so this is um yeah, I saw, yeah. actually i think you you interviewed some of the uh key people recently yeah. from helsinki wild foods we we do a lot of partnerships like that so actually promoting this every every man's right which is in uh um in finland so that you can actually collect uh, wild uh, plants herbs berries mushrooms from actually anywhere in, in Finland. Uh, so this is actually quite a special feature of, of Finnish uh, nature, I would say. And many and many um, uh, foreigners who come here are just, uh, that's very, 
very uh, exotic, almost in a way that's a, <laughs> that you can actually go to different places and collect things, and it's it's safe to do that because uh, because of the nature here is quite uh, quite well protected, but also that you're allowed to do that, <laughs> you're yeah. allowed to walk around and collect mm-hmm. things, and that you are it is safe that you can actually eat a lot of things in the nature as well. So I think that's been a very popular activity we've done for for some time. Um, then we also do things like um, supporting local businesses. Mm. I, think th- I think that's very, um, uh, like we do that in different ways. We might do something like a restaurant event or or a tour of a of, um, local business or farms in, a, in, in sort of the Ulzima area. Uh, so that's to get to know the sort of local food systems and also for for people to find out about, you know, what's what's actually available out there. Mm. Um, yeah, and then there's uh, other things we do. So cooking workshops is very – that's uh, almost always uh, cooking workshops are the booked within within days because people actually really want to learn how to do yeah. different things um, and we'll just have an interaction. I think uh, that's uh, – we also see that a lot of our activities have a very strong social side as well. People want to interact and get to know other people. So – and for a lot of foreigners, that's that's been really important. I think uh, so. Slow food has become a bit of a mecca for for international people who want to to you know meet other like-minded people as well. Yeah. So I think that's yeah that's been a really important part. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then another sort of uh, area that we uh, this is more on the education side again is um, about waste, uh, reducing mm-hmm. food waste. So this is a I think. A very critical issue, of course, all around the world. But I think in Finland, it's it's still um, sort, of a sort of neglected area, I would say. Mm. Uh, so we try to support uh, different organisations who are working in that field. So uh, so that's and we, for example, have uh, shown did a film screening um, to show the the about wait that there was got a, a video called Waste that we um, we actually saw and uh, and we sort of promoting that's businesses who, who use those kind of um, techniques that reduce or reuse or recycle waste. Yeah. So that's a, yeah. And then what else? Uh, other things, we actually have uh, two gardening projects. So another sort of theme that we're working on is uh, about food, actually food security, I would say, is a, is a theme because uh, food security in Finland is, is quite poor, I would say. Um, I mean, partly because of climate but there are other uh, other factors. So I think uh, for there's been a very big trend away from people growing their own food um, in in Finland and, and many other countries. So so I'm trying to promote places where you can grow your own food in a in a community set, mm-hmm. setting. So we have a project in in Andala in the Arabia area. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and we also have uh, Mustika Mar. Yeah. Uh, it's called the Ed- Edible Park. Yes. Sort of So, so this is a two projects that we've been running for a few years, which um, encourages people to come and uh, work together to grow mm-hmm. vegetables. So learning from each other, and uh, it has a very strong social element as well. So people really like to come there, and and you, know, you meet the people every week. Uh, and during this uh, COVID time, actually. I think that's been really important. So it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a, it's been a, a relatively safe activity for people because it's outdoors, yeah. um, and you can meet people. Because I think uh, we've noticed that a lot of people have felt very socially isolated mm. during the last uh, 
year and a half. So yeah. having opportunities to do outdoor activities has been mm-hmm. uh, has been really popular. Um, yeah, I mean that part, uh, especially about food, doing food, doing something about food together with people is a very important uh, aspect of of, of human exper- experience. I think. Um, yes, so. it's very it's, yeah, it's very fundamental. I think. Yes. Um, you you talked now a little bit about your members being like almost all uh, foreigners. Uh, how how do you reach the people? That's I'm curious. Like um, you have like you you show what you're doing. You share your events on I think social media and stuff. But but how do maybe people find you or to 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 have you know to attract more people to join you? What are your communication channels? Yeah, I think I think we have a challenge with that. I think it's it's one of the one of the most difficult things we face at the moment is getting getting known and uh, and uh, people to know what we do. I think we're a very small organization, so we're only volunteers. So there's no there's no paid coordination. Uh, so we don't have a very big budget. We don't get any state funding. Uh, so it's very difficult to have a sort of even a marketing budget, you could say. So um, so we just re- rely on word of mouth. Uh, very much so yeah and 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 social media mm. and we I, th- I guess we post sometimes for example in different groups um in these uh sort of uh, social media groups like foreigners in finland or these mm. kind of um uh when we have free events uh then that's really easy to promote um, yeah. those kind of events so mm. i think uh, i think we could do a lot better on that side for sure mm. uh, and it's something that that we would like to do more on <laughs> Um, are there? Do you have any other uh, information, demographic information about your members, like uh, like, a, like gender, age groups, uh, things like that? Yeah, I was uh, thinking that. Uh, yeah, there's still slight majority who are female. I think we we do tend to attract more female members. I I guess that's the social element. So women are maybe more still socially. Uh, we'd like that social interaction. Um, so most of our male members tend to be uh, from the couple membership. So, um, you know, they, they've come with a female member. So this is, and then I think the age group is very, it's quite wide ranging, um, but I would say we don't have very many young members. I think it's uh, sort of the from the 20, mid-20s to your know, 60s, 70s. So it's a very big range in in, in that. But, no, for example, we don't have any teenage uh, members. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that's something we should look into, I think, is having more activities that uh, look at youth youth mm-hmm. issues. Um, uh, and then international, I think the uh, from countries-wise, uh, so we have a, quite a lot of international members, but we do actually have a lot of Finns as well. So it's a quite a good mix. And then the people from, are from really different countries. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, from uh, very many from European countries, uh, from Asia as well. Is, uh, we have a um, very strong interest. Uh, and then um, probably a little bit less from maybe from uh, the Americas and um, Africa. Mm. So I think that's we could maybe do more on more interest mm. uh, to attract people from different countries as well. Yeah. Um, so... Now a little bit about uh, slow food, um, but also movement, but from the context of also in Finland. Now, 
Uh, I studied, of course, uh, slow food movement, uh, slow food Helsinki to prepare for this interview. And uh, th there are in Slow Food uh, International website, um, there are quite a lot of documents if you want to read more and learn more. There, there are manifestos and, and so on. And uh, slow food, well, so there are several things that come a bit uh, more highlighted, maybe, which one of them is uh, slow food. Uh, is talking about food being political. Uh, and I agree with that. Food is not maybe political. Food is not sometimes political. Food is absolutely political. Mm. Uh, I'm curious, uh, how political do you think people view food in Finland? I actually think that it's, it's, it's not seen as very political in, in Finland. I think actually, in, uh, I've lived in many other countries, I think it is actually... A more political issue in other countries. I think it's changing. Mm -hmm. I think we see uh, there is, you know, there's there are threats threats to the food system here as well. So any threats, I would say, become political. So whenever whenever there's a threat to a system, you will see political debate, um, which is which I think is a good thing. Actually, yeah. I, I agree. Food is very political. Um, We don't have food security across the world and we don't have it in Finland. Um, so I think it is a political issue and it, I think it should be discussed a lot more also in Finland. Yeah. I think um, I think a really good example I, I would say is uh, food in schools. So mm -hmm. anytime they have any type of proposal of, of how food should be done in schools, it's instantly a huge political debate in Finland. So I think there is... It is in the uh, media quite a, uh, quite a lot. Um, for example, you know, bringing in veg vegetarian meals in schools mm -hmm. causes a huge debate uh, yeah. here in Finland, <laughs> which is a good, which is a good thing. So people, mm -hmm. you know, making people think about it is 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 really really important. So, so I think um, uh, something that I've noticed that's very very political here is the food monopolies. Um, So we, it's a, a country which is dominated by a few big companies and it's actually something that Finns don't talk about very much, but you notice it very much as a foreigner, I think, that there, you know, there's basically two big supermarket chains, uh, Finnish supermarket chains, and then there's a few other players uh, like Lidl and, you know, there's uh, a few other ones coming into the market more recently, mm -hmm. but they have a very huge impact on on food systems in, in mm -hmm. Finland. So. So actually, their roles are very have a very political uh, stake. I mean, they they they're a very strong lobby group in, mm -hmm. in Finland, yeah. and they have a very big impact on what people actually consume. Yeah, here, and, yeah. That was something that uh, struck that got my attention immediately when I came here. 11 years ago, like uh, because I come from Turkey, and we always have these little, you know, neighborhood markets. Uh, you know, of course, we have these big supermarket chains as well, uh, but you can always find something, maybe not everything you need, but a little bit of thing uh, from your neighborhood uh, little market on your street. Uh, whereas here, for anything, like even one small thing, you have to go to one of these you know, big markets uh, around. Mm -hmm. It's exactly. always... You always try to look for an apartment that's close to S market or co market. <laughs> mm, yeah. So this is interesting in me. Um, now another uh, thing that maybe is uh, also highlighted, um, if, if you look at slow food, um, is that 
slow food advocates for local food. Now, how possible do you think this is? To up to what extent this is possible in 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 Finland? But also, I'm really curious. Do you think there are some barriers for some people mm. in Finland uh, that prevent them to consume more locally, like economic, cultural, social barriers, language barriers, whatever you can think mm, of? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. I would say there are a lot of barriers um, to eating local food in Finland, which is which is a real pity because actually the, the local food in Finland is really good. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the biggest barriers is price. So the economic barriers are quite big. So I think local food uh, coming from Finland is often not within people's uh, price range, mm-hmm. uh, like a, you know your daily budget, um, because of the the, the labor costs of, of actually collecting or, or producing food in Finland is is higher than in many other countries. So you, 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 but even really basic foodstuffs like apples might be cheaper coming from Spain than, than they would be from Finland. So even even um, basic foodstuffs um, that, are, that are coming from from even very close, even within Helsinki or the you know immediate area, might be more expensive uh, than than a lot of internationally imported uh, foodstuffs. So I think that's it's a huge problem in Finland the the price because mm-hmm. of course Finland is a country where, where there's really high taxes. Yeah. But I also, of course, this is a problem in in many countries now that uh, you know international food uh, is is too cheap. Basically, it's not actually showing the real price of of you know transporting and and collecting food from and paying you know fair wages to to local people. So I think what we're seeing is you know so it is actually a global problem where um, food is not really priced. At its accurate price, you know, yeah. at, you know what, what it should be priced at. So, in fact, it, you know, local food should be actually cheaper than international food. It would be more logical yeah. that way. <laughs> But that's not how our food systems work um, yeah. at the moment, because of course they're based on money and uh, on business. Mm. So, and a lot of um, production has actually slowed down in Finland. There is a lot of production which is no longer happening, or it's very the diversity of production has has disappeared um so i think they're you know they're concentrating on main products now um which are you know uh, which they can get a market price or can be exported so i think this has actually changed a lot in a very short time in finland as well so mm-hmm. i think the diversity of food um has has really reduced dramatically in finland mm-hmm. over the last 50 years for example yeah. yeah so that that brings a lot of barriers i think for people Because yeah. actually, the food, you know, there's food that could be grown here, which is just not available. It's not, it's not grown, or it's grown on such a small scale that it's not very widely available. So it's a, it's a geographic barrier, I would say. It's economic, um, and then you have uh, like language, you know, the language and cultural barriers as well, of course. So you know, someone like who come, you know, a foreigner who comes to Finland doesn't know what the local foods are or where to find them or how to even try them. Mm. <laughs> so it's 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 not it's, uh, being a foreigner in Finland is not very easy for to d- integrate into local cultural traditions I would say. Yeah. So I'd say actually there's quite many barriers in Finland. Mm. Yes, yes true. And um like for example about the economic barrier I mean uh the covid situation um really affected my business. I'm a food entrepreneur and um really affected my business so 
and right now I'm really checking the price of what I'm buying. So uh, economic side of the food, now I'm paying more attention, uh, I mean, unfortunately. And uh, mm. and then um, for, for about a bit less than a year now, I've been involved with Omama, um, food cooperative. Okay. I first started uh, uh, by interviewing them also uh, in um, October last year for the pro- podcast, and then I started collaborating with them, uh, hands-on uh, collaboration. And that's when I realized how, even after living for eleven years in Finland, how much I didn't know about the possibilities of uh, what you can grow here, and the diversity. Mm-hmm that they are, they are um, producing and uh, trying. And it's been very, uh, you know, uh, eye-opening for me. So um, it is possible. And then even learning more, like how some of the things that used to grow here are not grown here because of, you know, industrializations and stuff, which is now less diverse than what mm-hmm. it used to be. So exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so now... We talked already a bit about the existing food system related problems in Finland. And I was going to ask you if you thought Finland is, is food secure or not. And you already said that it no. is. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Now, uh, considering all this, uh, there is a question of, and it's something that we always come at some point uh, with all my guests uh, in the podcast sustainable food system or food sustainability. Now, what is the definition of a sustainable food system according to Slow Food Helsinki? Well, I would say, yeah, I would go back to this local concept. So I think sustainability means that you can grow local foods on a, on, on a continuous basis and that um, you have access access to those foods So I think for me, sustainability is a lot about access uh, as well. So it connects to very many different issues. Um, so sustainability means that you're not transporting your food uh, across the world because, uh, you know, there are a lot of reasons why uh, there are uh, food security insecurity in other parts of the world as well, which can then also affect Finland as well. For example, environmental disasters or climate change or war and conflict situations are, you know, uh, are very widespread and, and probably, I'd say, increasing. So I think sustainability in Finland means that Finland is growing its own food uh, and that it's 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 uh, away from industrialization, the industrialized food systems. So going back to more uh, to more traditional. Market economy, you know, these are uh, you know open markets and farmers markets, and and away from you know industrial giants making making the food. So I think this is a, uh, and then of course protecting the biodiversity of food. So I think biodiversity is a very big theme in in, in slow food. Yeah. So protecting local species and local production methods, so not just the actual um, like uh, different types of plants or, or fruits and vegetables but also animal breeds and um, ways of producing food mm. to, to, to maintain those. I think these these are, for, for slow food, a very key part of sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, so. A little bit of, uh, like, the parentheses about producing more in the local, you know, uh, 
there's there's also a discussion though when it comes to local production uh that it's if we would only let's say uh not just in finland but in anywhere else if we just produce local then there will be also this time uh a lot of pressure put on the local producers small or especially small producers uh so how do you how do you think that we should approach it to them we, it, not just saying we should produce more local is not enough of course so how do we how do we get past that pressure yeah i think that pressure won't go away of course i mean the population density in the world is 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 growing massively so you know that's it's obviously a pressure in In many parts of the world is how to, how to feed the world's population um and and we can do it but we are not not we're not able to right now and so of course there will be you know pressure the more people we have the more pressure there will be but i do think that um our current system our current industrial system which which relies on huge supply chains and um massive um amounts of transportation of food is just not sustainable Mm-hmm. for the for the environment so i think the sort of environmental sustainability and food security mm-hmm. and food sustainability are very close you know they're all very closely connected so yeah so if we can't come up with envir- you know ways to produce food which which uh protects the environment or you know sustains the environment then we're in big trouble so and we can see that across the world mm-hmm. so Um now I'm very curious about the next uh, question. Um I'm I'm very interested in uh, people or you know communities that are marginalized by the food system, global and local food system. Um well we talked a little bit about for example foreigners in many different aspects not just food uh, having difficulties in Finland uh, accessing uh, in, you know, integration and information and so on but mm. in, in Finland in general uh, who are these maybe uh, marginalized communities um margin- communities marginalized by food system and do you think that slow food movement slow food helsinki can be a somewhat empowering factor for any of these communities and how yeah i'd like to think so i think there are yeah there are very many marginalized groups in in finland um i think uh, you know even despite finland's um, sort of uh, you know uh, image of being a fairly rich uh, you know northern country there is actually quite many people in, uh, that live below the poverty line in finland so i think the, there is a growing a uh, number of people who are who are not managing well um because they you know they don't have jobs or, or they don't have social networks that can can support them so i think there are there are growing numbers of people who are lining up to, to the food banks for example yeah. i used to live near new one and the, yeah, the queues I knew there the yeah so the queues there you know are massive and they they've only gotten gotten worse i think with the pandemic because i you know i think most people would agree that the pandemic has probably benefited the super rich billionaires but it has not benefited most other people yeah. and uh so i think uh, the the poverty has, has is increasing in finland as well so i think there's huge numbers of groups of people who are very you know highly highly marginalized even in finland even with a very strong social welfare state there are still um, marginalized groups and i think uh, uh there are refu- you know um, humanitarian people have come here on humanitarian grounds so i think they're they're of course a very important marginalized group they are i think recognized but still 
Um, and then, you know, they do get a lot of support, support mechanisms, but it's probably still not enough. Um, it's not sufficient to, to mean that they're not marginalised uh, socially and economically and culturally in Finland. So I think the marginalisation takes many forms in Finland. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is, it's been a country that's been a monoculture for, for a very long time. And um, so having, um, uh, you know, large numbers of, you know, compared to the population, a large number of immigrants coming um, has been, is, it's still quite a shock for the country, I think. And I think we see that playing out in the sort of national politics a lot um, with um, the Finns party, for example. You know, they, they, they pick on a lot of the immigration issues and other, other populist uh, issues. So I think there are, and I think there's a big divide also between urban and, and, and uh, rural areas. I think a lot of the Rural areas are very uh, actually very poor nowadays. Um, there's no jobs, there's no services. So I think you see marginalised, even older people who are, I mean, there are some villages and towns where there's just no young people living at all. So I would say those people are actually quite marginalised as well because they, they don't have access to services or, or even, you know, the same kind of food products that we do in, in, in Helsinki. Yeah. So I'd say from slow food Helsinki side, of course, it's difficult to address some of those issues. I think, um, you know, we're an urban-based mm. organisation. So, uh, but what we what we do try to do is is free events and events that people can participate uh, without money. You know, you don't need to have to pay for them or, mm. or be a member. So we have events, uh, quite many events where or activities, projects where people can participate um, freely and, you know, without having any kind of membership commitment as well. So I think that's important because I do see that's that's been a very maybe attractive. That's why I think Slow Food Helsinki has been able to attract quite many yeah. international members because I think we have that approach. So I think in our own small little way we are, we are trying to um, address some of the marginalisation Mm-hmm. I think we're too small to, uh, you know, address some of the bigger issues. Uh, I would, of course, like to see that we maybe do more partnerships with other 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 organisations to mm-hmm. to address some of those issues. And I think that's something we we've tried to do for some years now is the partnerships with different types of NGOs and um, local businesses. And you know, so I think that's been quite successful. And um, uh, I'd like to see more, actually, more of that happen. Yeah. So it's, it, we have a small scale, but I think we have big ideas. So, well, little by little, <laughs> <laughs> yes, step uh, by step. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, even the recognition that there is um, there is marginalization uh, within different in in the, for some communities in Finland, uh, especially uh, connecting it with the food uh, system. Mm-hmm. Uh, is already a start i mean to to recognize that there is something like that going on um and then uh, i mean the, what you t- said about uh, the growing uh, bread lines the food charity lines uh, i'm i live in kallio so i'm very close to the one of helsingkatu and it is growing uh, even more now uh, yeah thanks to the covid situation so um so these little patches of food charity is not helping with anything, and we and they are more and more uh, therefore marginalized with the when it comes to f- also food itself. So um, I think 
I think recognition is already a start. And for me, in my, uh, because this is a very important topic for me that I'm passionately interested about, um, I'm also seeing, uh, well, as a Turkish person, I sometimes go to these uh, ethnic markets, Middle Eastern Turkish uh, markets in Itakes, because I don't go and buy everything from there. Uh, I, I'm fine with uh, normal, regular supermarkets, but every now and then I go. And when you come out of Itakes, because uh, metro, uh, you know, the scene changes and there are many people like Middle Eastern or maybe uh, African backgrounds who just uh, 100% or maybe uh, almost 100% uh, buy their food from these ethnic markets. Even the stuff that we can actually very easily find, let's say lentils, uh, we can find all them also in just you know S market everywhere these days, but they do that. And uh, many of these Middle Eastern uh, maybe uh, communities are not so much seen in uh, activities that I see around, like about you know, urban gardening and this and that. Like, where are these people when it comes to discussions and it, uh, talks about sustainable food system, local food system, local food consumption and things like that. So for me, it's also, uh, these are one of the, this is one of the groups as well, which mm, is maybe partially yeah. like half I'm in, I'm part of and part not and somehow, I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe to give an exa uh, example, actually, this gardening project, we we actually have um, quite many people coming from many countries. And mm -hmm. uh, this is one of our free free activities, and you don't need to be a member to participate. And I, I see, it, you know, one of the great joys I have is actually when we get together with lots of different people. And, uh, you know, there is actually quite a few Turkish people who have come. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I really love hearing their stories of, you know, that they would gardening or farming at home and mm. and this is the first chance they've had you know in Finland to actually do that again mm. um so and and they you know they bring seedlings uh we would, like for example growing okra at the moment oh, and oh other things which you know yeah <laughs> we don't you know you know Finnish farms don't often grow mm. and uh it's so exciting to share those stories and experiences and learn from each other and and you know it was really exciting to see see the okra growing and the fins were like amazed by it and they were like oh how do you how do you cook this and mm -hmm. you're know, sharing recipes and things like mm -hmm. that so that sort of social interaction is is so vital and mm -hmm. and you know something we miss a lot in in Finnish life I think yeah yeah I mean there are already so many challenges for all kinds of I mean wherever you come from all kinds of foreigners there are already so, a lot of challenges uh, in Finland that food should not be one other of a dividing factor. Um, mm. and, and I think, I mean, all these people coming from all over the world are bringing a lot of good food knowledge with them. So, um, including yeah. refugees, uh, why not, uh, why not somehow connect them with this, this, this culture and this country using their, their food knowledge that they brought uh, from their um, home, so yeah, this is these are important. Yeah, but, yeah it's really important. Yeah. yeah, but moving on, I have a, this this question that I always think about, and let's see what slow food uh, has in here. What you think about uh, this? Uh, now there are views uh, supported by uh, research and, and science uh, that more you know plant based. Uh, or vegan diet is the best for food sustainability, environmental concerns, etc. And 
and um, drawing from all the research, uh, I I support, I agree with that to, to a certain extent. I'm myself, I'm vegetarian. I cannot stop eating yogurt and cheese, <laughs> um, but I'm not eating them in humongous amounts anymore. So, um, um, so there's that. But then on the other hand, uh, there is uh, the traditional food knowledge, centuries and centuries old food knowledge, such as artisanal and you know, raw milk cheese uh, making. Uh, so, and slow food advocates for uh, the protection of this traditional mm. knowledge. And yes. I also completely agree. This is part of human history, human experience. I want it to be part of human future as well. But it kind of, uh, if you, of course, look at it in a very maybe black and white situation, it kind of looks like conflicting two opinions. So how, so I wonder what a movement like slow food thinks about this plant-based uh, diet or veganism from the point of maintaining traditional non-vegan food knowledge. Yeah, actually, I think there wasn't, there isn't support within the slow food movement to only have plant-based diets. So I think, I think I would go back to this biodiversity and the diversity of the food system. So I think, as you mentioned, you know, it's part of human history that you know, we've had really diverse diets and, and very seasonal diets. So I think um, the looking more at, you know, having a, a choice of, uh, of different uh, foodstuffs which are, which are produced locally as much as possible in a sustainable way. So it, it's not focusing on being plant-based or animal-based. It's actually opening up the possibility that, uh, you, know, you know, as long as it has an environmental uh, background as in the, that there is an environmental decision basically on how the food is produced so it's not about being animal or plant um i think there's no uh, i think it's sort of pro-choice in a way in that way so people can choose whatever fits their their lifestyle and their you know their dietary requirements and medical needs i think that's you know i think that's seen as um you know this is a very personal choice but that's uh, you know if there are um, animals used for for eat, for consumption that they are treated humanely and uh, that they are uh, not in in these industrialized uh, centers where you know it's just about making money. And so mm -hmm. so it's very much just supporting uh, local animal breeds that are you know that are well adapted to their local environment. So that's something that's, you know, that's, that's been a big issue in Finland that a lot of the, you know, in the last 30, 40 years, a lot of the production of, of meat has been very concentrated on, on certain varieties and there's a, the older variety, you know, species of, of, of cattle or, or, you know, for example, are, 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 very, are disappearing. So I think if, um, uh, if there is more production of, of, sort of more traditional species or or species which are well adapted mm -hmm. to the Finnish environment. I think, I think the you know having meat in your diet is something that's then just a personal choice. Mm -hmm. So, so I think this is it's not uh, I would say a movement that supports veganism or plant based, but it supports uh, choices which are have an environmental mm -hmm. background to it. Yeah, yeah, and and I think maybe. Uh... Like instead of completely abandoning for the whole human beings to you know this 
animal products or, or, or animal eating, maybe the first step should be maybe, okay, yes, making it this consumption a bit less, but then focusing on uh, humane product, you know, or, or mm, you know, it's really important yeah. and environmental friendly. And uh, I mean, it's out of control because of the ways that we produce these things. Mm. Uh, so this industrialization of meat yeah. and the meat industry has, uh, has, has gone completely the wrong way and mm -hmm. uh, how we treat animals and how it's uh, affected the, you know, the environment and, and contributing to climate change. Um, so the, you know, the, some of the lobby groups uh, are very, very strong from the meat industry. So we, we definitely don't support, uh, you know, this, this sort of lobby, lobby groups, which are just lobbying for their own industry. Um, so I think this, this is something that uh, we like to see that uh, the food systems move away from that. Mm -hmm. This is, this industrialization of, of food and meat has not been a benefit to us as humans and for our, for human health. Because I think there, you know, I think we've, you know, you can clearly see from all the studies that most of the you know northern northern countries rely too much on meat. So it's it's not very actually healthy for human health yeah. to to eat so much meat. Uh, so I think that's there's a, you know plenty of studies that show that now. Mm. Um, but it doesn't mean that you need to uh, so the the reasoning is it doesn't mean you have to go completely the opposite way it just means you, you there you there's more choice we need more choice in how how food is produ produced yeah. um now we have still some time so we can talk a little bit also about back to the slow food movement in general but in a bit of more depth now from just your from your personal uh point of view not you don't have to answer that as a slow food Helsinki representative or anything. But um, I mean, slow food movement is, uh, as you said, more than 30 years uh, old movement. I didn't personally, I didn't know. I mean, even though I know, of course, about slow food movement before this interview, um, I didn't know it was that old. So I was, I was very, uh, I thought for some reason, I thought that it started in late nineties, whereas it's uh, much, much older than that. Um, so how do you see uh, the slow food movement today? Where is it or, or where, what is its position? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, uh, I mean, I think, the, the slow food is very different, very different in, in different countries. So I think there's different challenges facing the movement um, in different countries. I think it's, you know, it's because it's it's got to a certain point, it's quite a large organisation. It supports quite a large bureaucracy, you could say, uh, you know, the international office and all the, um, uh, you know, the movement that goes with that. So I think there, you know, there are challenges that face an organisation once it gets to a certain size, um, which, you know, you know, there can be claims that, you know, have we lost focus or gone away from the roots or, you know, the, those kind of questions start to come up, which are which are good questions. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, organisations need to constantly look at, you know, what are they trying to achieve? What are, You know, are we actually achieving mm -hmm. our objectives and and, uh, and, and, what, and do the objectives change over time as the world is changing? You know, the, the threats to food, food systems are changing. Um, so, you know, climate change is now talked about very... So it's become um, a much bigger issue than in the 80s. Uh, so there's a lot more recognition of what climate change means for food mm -hmm. systems, and the you know food food security is, is very much challenged by um, 
by climate change and environmental disasters. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, the organisation has to try to respond to those new threats or changing threats. So, so I think that's it's a challenge um, for an organisation. I think once uh, an organisation has a bureaucracy, it, it maybe becomes less, um, less flexible. Uh, but I would say one of the benefits, uh, I would say, of the organisation is that because the structures are fairly loose at the, like the, you know, as a Helsinki chapter, we, we have a lot of freedom in the activities we, we do. So I think that's one of the benefits. So we can we can address the uh, needs and objectives that we see in Finland, yeah. and um, yeah, we see locally. So I think that's that's a that's a good thing. <laughs> so we don't feel too restricted, I would say, um, in what we you know, what we do. Uh, you know, as long as they make sense and have some purpose. Yeah. Uh, you know, we wouldn't just start selling meat on the street or something like you know. As long as we're like trying to stick to the to the overall goals, I think we're mm. we're, we're doing well. Yeah. So I think that's that's good thing for the organization. But you know, there is there's a lot more organizations. I think what what uh, I would like to see more is more partnerships because I think uh, you're stronger together always. Um, the voice uh, and social transformation only happens uh, when there's enough voice. You know, when there's enough strength of numbers, basically. So mm-hmm. we can only change uh, politics and governments and uh, how 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 we how these systems function. Mm-hmm. by speaking together so I think that's something that um, is really important that there is more um, local partnerships global partnerships and we start to challenge the industrial and industrial giants because yeah. I think nothing is going to change unless we start challenging the system true uh, yeah I mean if there's such a big chunk of the global food system in, in, in the hands of just a you know Mm, a few, a few uh, people yeah. uh, that it is a, a huge challenge I mean uh, the rest have the numbers uh, but don't have the exact uh, like equal power to the numbers um, mm, exactly um, now the, the next thing I'm, is a bit of a comment uh, but also uh, I will ask your opinion on that uh, which is um There are some. There, there are a lot of food uh, movements, uh, of course, uh, different uh, mm. all around the world. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, slow food being one. Um, now, some academists and activists uh, identify two trends in uh, food movements. Uh, the first is progressive. The other is radical. Now, progressive means improving the existing current food system like food justice which is making the mm. current system uh, more you know just and, and fair for everyone regardless of gender race class whatever and the other one the radical is saying uh, is advocating for a complete transformation of the current corporate led um, agri-food system which is um, mainly associated with food sovereignty movements, which we uh, also, both food justice and food sovereignty, we discussed before in this podcast with previous uh, guests. Um, they So they put slow food Helsinki, uh, no, sorry, not Helsinki, slow food movements in uh, progressive, which is trying to make improvements in the existing system. What is your view on that? Yeah, I would. I would actually say slow food probably started as a more radical organization, especially you know it actually came from a protest movement. But I think as it evolved, it, it changed into a more progressive, uh, trying to you know influence 
for example, there's a lot of work uh, to influence the EU, uh, European Union on on different uh, of, you know food system food system issues. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it changed into a progressive. But I think now we're seeing, starting to see there is a, a movement towards going back to more radical. I think there's more questions now being asked uh, that are you know on the radical side about food sovereignty and uh, you know this transforming. Uh, the systems, because I think the maybe this progressive approach hasn't been seen as having enough impact, or you know the, the change has been too slow. So yeah. I think there are now more questions um, coming that there. You know, the, I think there's a lot of um, members who would like to see slow food being more radical. Yeah. So, um, but keeping still the progressive side. So I think I don't think it will lose its progressive side very quickly because I think that influence. Uh, you know, there's a lot of policy um, uh, committees and working groups, you know, doing a good job on, uh, at, you know, on different levels and different, um, in different countries. So I think that work is still, is still very valuable. Uh, but I think uh, working together, I think coming back to these partnerships, I think working together with more radical slow f- uh, movements um, would actually, would actually make, maybe have more impact. Yeah. And I think, um, I think, most people see that you know we're coming to a point in maybe human evolution where you know something more drastic needs to happen. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel yeah. that this how we're living now and how the things are functioning now is not going to it's not it's not going to last. It's there's yeah. a lot of you know sort of movement towards uh, making a more um, a bigger change in how how things run. And I think that you know it's clearly coming from uh, the environmental side, like climate change. And the environmental disaster, you know, that these are just increasing all the time. So I think there's a lot of recognition of that. Um, so I think working together, so I think I would see a lot of value in that slow food could work together with more environmental organisations, more food movement organisations, and and keeping that uh, policy um, influence happening as, at the same time. So I think I think you need... I think you need both, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm. I'm being um, very interested in food sovereignty, like trying to learn uh, at least for first of all what it is for about a for a bit, you know, more than a year now. Um, and um, I would, and just to remind our listeners uh, what it is very briefly, it's the rights uh, of people to make their own food-related decisions mm. um, in case any, you know listeners didn't listen previous episodes just to remind them and it, it's it's very interesting for me when I was thinking about this question I thought of uh, thinking about you know slow food uh, somehow uh, collaborating and, and intersecting with uh, food sovereignty uh, advocates and and groups and how they can what they can do together and and this kind of movements uh, benefiting from each other and um because also food sovereignty is is a pretty now uh, globally um, diverse uh, um, movement, and uh, even if it's even being now little by little talk being talked about in uh, global north as well in Europe and, mm. and Finland. So it, uh, yeah. it's yeah very interesting. I think there's more recognition of food sovereignty issues uh, within slow food movement. I think mm. there's a, for example a lot more projects happening. Um, 
to support slow food uh, um, organizations in Africa, mm. and they are they are working a lot on on you know sort of uh, you know the food sovereignty issues in, in many countries. So I think I think that's it's it's definitely changing, um, uh, and I think it you know I think it will continue to change in the future. I think there will be more uh, more work done in this food sovereignty area because I think also there's a uh like a, you know the native populations of many countries have are, are still very marginalized and i think that's that's a there's a great interest in that those kind of issues yeah now it, it, this last question is um is also related to where slow food movement is and all this progressive and radical and everything um when i was when i was studying now Uh, for this interview, but also before, whenever I, so I, I, I every now and then I uh, came came up with this kind of either academic papers or or articles in journals or newspapers that also criticize slow food movement mm. uh, being for the white middle class or a bit elitist. But what is your view on this? Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a challenge for the organization. I think there is a view that uh, if you're looking at local food, it means gourmet food, uh, which is you know very usually higher priced and very good quality. And very interesting, a lot of the like what the slow food is uh, trying to emphasize is, is local food, which were these a lot of these what's what are so called gourmet foods now were were actually very normal everyday products or uh, things from from many different countries. Um, And they were not seen as gourmet. They were everyday products. So I think it's now sometimes gets the label of looking at uh, promoting gourmet foods when it actually just means promoting local food for local people. So and not losing those those traditions and that diversity. Um, whereas, um, so I think that there can be you know some some labeling coming from that side. I think membership is probably still quite you know maybe the majority are still in the in um, the north you know in the north and uh, from uh, you know fairly well to do countries you know like Finland or Germany uh, America Australia the, you know there's big memberships mm -hmm. in in these uh, these countries and I think that's that's true but I think the I think the when the organization moved to its more progressive stage that that was kind of a natural um attraction for for people in, in those countries and i think now that it's starting to have more elements of the radical more questions about that i think that's changing i think there's a lot more young people for example joining mm. and um you know there's sort of more you know these more radical questions are coming from the youth members for mm. sure mm. who are you know you know a lot of young people these days are very interested in climate change and environmental mm. issues Yeah. And they're willing to fight for those issues. So I think that's that's great to see. So I think it's you know I think I think in the past those labels are probably you know I think there's been reasons for those labels to come across. I hope that that will change in the future. Mm. I hope people will see mm. that those are you know there's more to it than that. You know, um, these are that, that these were just you know uh, labels that, that and people can see beyond that. Yeah. Um, And that the organization organization does continue to change and evolve as well. Yeah, sure. So I think that's, Again, yeah. More I, think some, I would say some of the criticisms also come from because maybe the organization is so broad and so maybe the the objectives that have been quite loose. Um, 
so that it's sometimes hard to define some, what slow food is doing or what its objectives are. So, mm. so that's also, I think, a lot of the other, slow, uh, other food movements or environmental organisations have more specific objectives. Um, so they're more clear and you can see them, see what they do more clearly, whereas slow food is trying to do so much and having a very broad approach to it. So that's its, it's strength and it can be a weakness as well. And could it be also just something that came to my mind that uh, maybe, uh, well, in media we hear or read more about, you know, uh, good things happening in in. Europe, you know, Europe uh, or America, I mean, it's more visible, but then mm. um, when it comes, I mean, it even happened in the COVID situation, uh, like uh, there were very quite a few uh, Asian or uh, African countries uh, that handled the situation at least up to a certain time uh, really well, but they weren't so much visible in the Western media. Whereas when they started to go bad or or just the ones that were doing bad were more prominent. So could it be also mm. like the, the European, um, because it's a global, I mean, I myself didn't know so much when I uh, looked at the map in the Slow Food uh, International website, I saw, okay, so it's really, there are so many different chapters all around the world. Um, even in my mind, maybe I was uh, associating it more uh, you know, to the north, let's say. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe it's because yeah. of visibility as well uh, in the in the mainstream media, most of the time. Yeah, I think it means. I mean, mainstream media is definitely uh, well very obsessed with uh, um, sensational sensationalism. So anything that goes wrong or is not is always easier to report. So I think when things are going well. Uh, you don't hear about it so much. And I think it's true. I mean, uh, the media that's, uh, that we see is very Euro Eurocentric or uh, um, uh, or also focusing on what the, uh, North America is doing. So you hear very rarely about what's happening in Africa or yeah. Asia generally. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's a problem for for our media in general. Um, uh, and I think Slow Food could maybe promote what's happening in those countries even more because there's actually a lot of projects and there's a lot of interest in, in, in those projects as well. So I think it's growing very quickly in those countries. Um, right. So that's a, that's a good thing. But uh, if we don't hear about them, that's, uh, that's not, not so good. Yeah. Well, these are all my questions. Uh, do, you do you have any final comments or words? And also... I, I ask now uh, to this this question to my um, guests. Uh, what is one question you would like to ask to our listeners to think further after listening to this episode? Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I would like to see more partnerships. So I would be, um, I would like to ask uh, if there would be some um, other organizations or um, individuals of, you know, where we could look at new partnerships or new types of uh, activities. So I think we're very open to, to exploring um, uh, new things. And I would actually welcome uh, people to, to contact us if there's a, you know, a, a possibility for collaboration mm -hmm. or, or new, new activities together. So there can be one-off things or a longer collaboration as well. So I think, so yeah, I would uh, ask if if anyone would like to collaborate, collaborate, and um, mm -hmm. or just even share ideas. So I think this is something that um, I think this is one of the nice things about Slow Food is that we can we can 
take on new activities, uh, um, you know, as as we as we can. You know, there there is uh, there's no limit to what we can do. Of course, we don't have a lot of budget, but uh, we have a lot of willpower. So I think yeah. that's uh, that counts for a lot. <laughs> yeah. So well, to the listeners, um, they can contact you. Um, I will uh, put. Uh, well, it's slowfoodhelsinki.org, isn't it? Your website. Yeah. So I think uh, through the Facebook is uh, so if you put Slow Food Helsinki, I think that's you find us very quickly. So that's a very easy way to contact us um, is through the Facebook or we have a Gmail, which is um, slowfoodhelsinki at gmail.com. So mm. those, those are the yeah. uh, easiest ways to reach us. Yeah. And um, well, they can, well, people also can write if they want just their ideas. Um, As, as you asked. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to, to be. To my dear kitchen in Helsinki, uh, as a comment, wherever they see us as well, this episode as well, if they want. But um, but <clears throat> when there's willpower, I think uh, there is a lot of, there can be a lot of things uh, done, provided we can get together and the COVID situation is is done and we can get together in person i hope one day um but okay so thanks again for this interview um i enjoyed a lot and hope you enjoyed too and um, yeah thank you good luck with the uh, continuation of your activities and so on and um bye yeah thank you yeah and good luck with your uh, your business as well and good luck with the blog <laughs> thanks a lot it was really nice Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about the blog behind this podcast, check out www.mydearkitcheninhelsinki.com and find it also on Instagram and Facebook. Have a delicious week! <laughs>